Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay. Hello. Alongside me, it's Sky Sports News anchor, the mama with the Mac skills in football presenting, Hayley McQueen. Hi, Hayley. Thanks. Yeah, I'm trying to juggle everything in life. How do people have more than one child? How do you have two children, Kate, and still manage to hold everything down? It gets easy because you get the older one to look after the younger one. Oh, God. Not sure if that's child neglect, but there we go. That's how I did it. Um, Oh, God, so we need another one. Oh, God. Oh, God. So you're the multi-skilling mama with the Mac skills, I think we can safely say. Now, we have a special guest on this week's podcast because Miss Hooper is busy driving somewhere. She's learned how to use the voice-activated notes function on WhatsApp. And I had a big, long message about the rain. It's not the rain and the rain is falling and Claire said the rain. Uh, and I've no idea what she was talking about. So uh, needless to say, <laughs> uh, Lindsay not with us today. Instead, we have making her second appearance uh, for the Offside Rule FC. It's football reporter for the Premier League and many more places besides. She's the Mandy with the handy knowledge of the beautiful game, Mandy Henry. Hi, Mandy. Hi. Hi, Kate. Lovely to be back uh, on and lovely to be on with you for the first time as well. I'm laughing at you too. I've got no kids and I can't keep myself in order. <laughs> we should be calling you Simon though, shouldn't we, Mandy? Oh, did you see that? <laughs> you did, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was speaking to Jurgen Klopp this week and a fellow Premier League reporter called Simon uh, covers Liverpool quite a lot and Jurgen Klopp was... Uh, just about to sit down, do his press conference. I was going first and the press officer introduces, uh, oh, and first of all, we'll go to Simon from the Premier League. And uh, I had to say, oh, I'm definitely not Hello. Simon. I'm definitely Mandy. And, and Jürgen said, I can, I can see that. <laughs> I absolutely have loved you because I know how those press conferences go, uh, albeit I was kind of doing them in person rather than virtually, but I'd love you to have mm-hmm. just pretended to be Simon yeah. and just watch the slightly confused look on Jürgen Klopp's face as to whether you may have just have decided mm-hmm. to change your name. <laughs> Who knows? Well, before the press conference went live, he was actually looking and thinking, she's definitely not a Simon, as I'm there in my little snakeskin shirt with my curly hair. And yeah, <laughs> big confusion, but it was, it was amusing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's nearly the end of the season, isn't it? This is the point when, particularly as a reporter, Mandy, um, you are excited, of course, but you're sort of on your knees, aren't you, as you sort of desperately want to tie everything up. You need a bit of a break. I'm sure Linz is like this as well, kind of a mixture of excitement excitement and exhaustion completely and I think this week because there have been so many Premier League fixtures this week it's been like a double match week it's been absolutely bonkers so that coupled with uh, the fact we've pretty much had two football seasons run together I think we could all do with a break quite soon (laughs) yes Hayley you you will of course be working during the summer and digesting all of the transfer news we've got the Euros uh, we've got the Olympics Mm -hmm. for GB women as well of course so it feels like we've got a lot to look forward to but yeah maybe a couple of weeks in between although I don't think many people will be traveling uh, to many places just yet um well it's been a bit of a whirlwind hasn't it the last week or so the EFL season ended last weekend
end. Quite a bit of drama on the final day. Sheffield Wednesday joined Wickham and Rotherham in being relegated from the championship. Brentford, Swansea, Barnsley and Bournemouth in the playoffs. Uh, The League One automatic promotion and relegation had uh, already been sorted. Um, But I was thinking back to the podcast we did, Hayley. Um, I think Mm. you were with us when we predicted who would go where. And I don't think I got any of mine right. So uh, that's my crystal ball away for another season. I can't, I can't even remember, but I was at Wickham Wanderers having my vaccine the day before they were due to obviously be playing, not at home, knowing whether they'd be relegated. I felt really sad being at the stadium because you were there and there was a buzz and there were people excited to get their vaccines. And it's quite cool. I went through like the players lounge and entrance, which is somewhere I haven't been to for a very mm. long time. So it's quite weird that yeah, I'm nice. finally back in a football club, but for absolutely not football reasons. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was like seeing all the um, imagery all over the walls and just how well they'd looked after the stadium. And it was just really lovely to be at Adams Park thinking, well, oh, I hope they don't go back down, but kind of knew that it was inevitable. But anyway, there you go. In the Premier League, City were finally crowned champions. They made us wait, didn't they? Uh, Manchester United, of course, qualified for the Champions League. West Brom have been relegated. Big Sam's drop record shot to smithereens. Mandy, how's he going to recover from this one? Well, I actually saw a tweet this week that made me laugh because they they said they wondered if Big Sam would resign before a full time in that game to keep his record intact, (laughs) (laughs) which I quite liked. Um, Yeah, it's it's a strange one for him, isn't it? He's just had this incredible record. He's such a big personality but you just get the feeling he's gone in there too late to turn things around don't you maybe maybe amazingly Arsenal still have a shout of Champions League football as well I'm sure we'll be uh, talking about some of these teams of course as we make our way through the podcast lots to look forward to on today's show we've been talking finals haven't we we've got um, of course the playoff semi-finals happening Champions League finals on the way the FA Cup finals so uh, we're not necessarily talking games uh, we'd like your final moments or just some nice anecdotes from finals from both of you if that's okay and your time as a reporters and presenters um after Aguero's big penalty miss I mean luckily it hasn't cost them in the end but we want to revel feels a bit wrong this uh, revel in some other times that famous players have made big mistakes um, but first up we're going to be talking the return of fans <laughs> Topic number one, welcome back. Yes, that's right. This season, we've had games behind closed doors, a splattering of fans around Christmas time, games behind closed doors again, and now we're going to have some fans back. I do hope everyone's keeping up. Um, But uh, the question, of course, is who might have missed fans the most? We know that each of the Premier League side, the fixtures were moved, weren't they? So that each Premier League side can have at least one lot of fans in before the end of the season. But whether it is in the top flight of football or a cup final or anyone else, actually, who could really use the boost of some fan attendance? Mandy, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Okay, I'd like to give a shout out to Burnley. Um, They've already secured their their Premier League survival, of course, last weekend against Fulham. And I, I do think they deserve credit for the way they've picked themselves up after such a slow start. And I've been looking back at at the turn of the year, just at how poor a start it was. And and 
at the turn of the year. They've just won four league games. They've got this incredible ability to kind of dig in and get results that in the end keeps them up. Now, I've covered the club a lot in the last few years. They're, they're so nice to work with. Sean Dyche is always great fun. You'll have seen all his crazy <laughs> press conferences. And he's also managed to build a team that not only work hard, but this sounds a bit crazy, but they've all got lovely personalities as well. You guys will know as journalists, that's very important, but not always the case. And they've got this mentality that they will survive. And, and while it might not always be pretty, you, you really can't fault them for effort. So they're guaranteed this sixth straight season in the top flight, which is a real incredible achievement, really. And, and the slow start, I think, is proof that they've really missed fans at Turf Moor. And I, I saw a study earlier in the season. It showed that their fans were the most passionate in the Premier League. Oh, um, apparently, how did they work you like that this out? bit? Well, the first bit is 51% of their fans say they're likely to base friendships on which football team they support. <laughs> Quite brutal, uh, that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they also spend the most on tickets and merchandise, an average of £578 per year. And they spend 12.7 hours of the week discussing the highs and lows of the match week, which is quite a long time, I think. That is a um, good couple of pub visits, isn't it? Yes, well, certainly. It isn't even is. a pub visit. It's it is this season anyway. A lot of WhatsApp conversations, <laughs> definitely. And I'm not sure if you saw the the great story about the club this week, but they they want to reward the fans for their support over the last 14 months, and they're going to mark the return of fans to Turf Moor by allowing their supporters to attend the final home game of the season uh, against Liverpool for free. Yes, um, I did. See it's that. just a, a lovely gesture from their their relatively new owners, and not only that, but the club chairman mm. Alan Pace. He's going to be making a a donation to. NHS charities as well so a lovely story all round and I think they deserve a boost for that. Gosh that is a very wholesome answer indeed perhaps (laughs) too wholesome for this podcast. (laughs) Hayley McQueen where are you going? I'm just going to take you through a few stories or situations or individuals kind of linked with fans this season as opposed to a team who I think has missed the fans the most. Are you breaking the rules? I'm st- sort of slipping into Lindsay's natural place. Okay, yeah. so I just give thought, us a couple, and then I might okay. come in with a couple of teams, okay. and then we'll uh, round off with you. Yeah, so I, I was just going to kind of point out a few things. How crazy that Fulham were back in the Premier League, and their fans haven't got to see them there playing against Liverpool, Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea. What a shame! And they've gone back down. Who knows how long it's going to be until they do come back? Yes, I know they're a real yo-yo side, but it might be, you know, a couple of seasons before they hit the great heights of Premier League football again. And I just, I really feel for the Fulham fans who never got to go to Craven Cottage, never got to go on those exciting special away trips when, of course, they were all celebrating being promoted and kind of planning out the next year, looking forward to life in the Premier League again. And what about an individual who, I mean, he doesn't seem to have been playing like he's missing any fans, but to have never experienced playing in front of fans at Old Trafford, having had the season he's had, Edinson Cavani. So thank God he signed a new deal. Hey, Mandy, of course, you know, you work for Man United, cover Manchester area, but to have had the season he's had and not even played in front of the fans and experienced Old Trafford on a match day, I mean... I can't even get my head around that. So thankfully he signed a new deal. What a signing that was in the first place. Even I I was a little bit sceptical about his age and wondering whether actually it was even going to work or not. We saw the impact that uh, Ibrahimovic had when he came and, and, you know, had a a little spell at Old Trafford. I was hoping he might emulate that. And he's just been an absolute 
joy to watch, a joy to report on, present about. It's just been brilliant. And I'm really happy that he's staying at the club for another season. And the fans will get to enjoy him as much as I'm sure he'll enjoy yeah. the fans. I suppose that's the only upside, isn't it? At least he'll get to experience it next season. And that's something mm. to look forward to, I suppose. Mm. Um, I've gone a bit rogue. I've done a couple of teams, um, but only because I like a bit of drama. Uh, and it might, might all see us through to sort of the... Um, the kind of final, final stage of this season. So in the interests of really cooking up the race for the champions, mm -hmm. so in the interests of really cooking up the race for Champions League football, I am going to nominate both Arsenal and Liverpool to have fans present mm -hmm. at every game they play before the end of the season. It's probably going to be too late for the Manchester United replay on Thursday night. In fact, it will be. But they've got West Brom and Burnley away before Liverpool host up to 10,000 fans at Anfield for the game against Palace. So plenty of opportunities and to really get things going and make these make this fight for Champions League places really intense. I'm going to give them a hand by giving them fans at every fixture. For Arsenal, God, it's been a, such a tough season for them. Uh, hasn't it? They've been sort of ridiculed and taking people on this big emotional uh, journey in equal measure um, out of the Europa League at the semi-final stage. They could do with a lift. So I'm feeling sorry for Arsenal, actually. I know that not a lot of people will be with me on this, but the tensions are high. Arteta's accusing the media of putting words in his mouth. Uh, all I can say is they need fans. They need to remember what the game is about so I'm giving them all the help I can um Palace uh they've got Palace away before they host Brighton so fans in every game for Arsenal and for Liverpool let's really up the stakes in this race for Champions League football next season Hayley have you got any more to finish us off with yeah, I'm going to take you up to Scotland, seeing as how we've got Mandy on the podcast as well. And I'm I'm going to give you a team, factoid here. I'm going to tell you about a team who's the only team, the only professional football club in the UK to contain the letter J. It's a good quiz question, this oh, one. What? Yeah. The only the team. Only professional Johnson. Yeah. The okay. only professional football club in the UK to contain the, the letter J. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. So there you go. Random. Um, they could be up for a yeah. They could be up for a cup double. And actually, I'm delighted because there are going to be a handful of fans who'll get to go and watch their cup final. They won the um, the league cup back in February. They've got the Scottish Cup to come as well. Um, so they it will give them a chance. And some of the fans that get to go to this game to celebrate a cup double. And it's the massive achievement for a club like St. Johnson. I've got to say huge congratulations there to them on achieving that. And what about Scott Brown and what he's achieved? Bowing out um, at Celtic Park. He's played his last game there. What a damn shame for a player who's been just the perfect captain, achieved so much, won so much and loved by the fans. Yes. Um, and at the age of 55 as well, Hayley. I yeah, mean, I, you know, he's, he's I know. He's many, many miles. Yeah, so he's heading up to Aberdeen. We'll still get to maybe see him play. He's going as a as a as a, as a player coach. Um, but a real shame that the fans haven't got to go to Celtic Park to you know mm. cheer off the pitch when when you know he plays his his, his final moments of football. Um, his post match was was great after his final game. I'm saving that for a little story towards the end. But I do just think. I wonder how Celtic would have performed if they'd have had fans in the stadium because the atmosphere is unreal at Celtic Park. And I think perhaps 
just shows you how important the fans are to such a big club like that. Had they have been there, maybe the season would have been that little bit different, giving them that little bit more of a lift. They've had a poor season by Celtic standards. Um, Rangers have all four nominees for player of the year. So finally it's going to be a Rangers player a Rangers who player. will win. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to 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 note there that you know these players are playing important landmark games. Can you call them landmark games because it's not really a milestone game mm. anyway. He, he's he's going out of Celtic Park having not won the title, probably should have just retired last season without the fans there either to make him, you know, feel loved and and special and say goodbye. All right, coming up next, Aguero and that miss. Okay, topic number two, even legends make mistakes. Uh, All is now forgiven, isn't it, with Manchester City crowned Premier League champs. But after Aguero's big penalty miss, what are some of the other times that famous players, big players, have made equally big mistakes? A bit like Beckham getting sent off at the World Cup in 1998. Um, Hayley, have you got some humiliating moments to share on someone else's behalf? Oh, I do always feel a little bit bad because you don't want to be remembered in your career for a, for a bad mistake. But seeing as how we are, here we go. <laughs> uh, so Iron Robin against Chelsea, you might remember this. He missed his penalty in the Champions League final. Not only was it Bayern playing in their own stadium, it was, of course, against his old employers, Chelsea, as well. Um, goodness me. He also, he also, he, he misses big penalties in big games. He missed in the World Cup final, didn't he, as well? I mean, it was a very good save from Iker Casillas when playing uh, Spain. However, yeah, Iron Robin and his misses. Um, he was asked about it afterwards and he said it was absolutely terrible. It was awful. He said it was a terrible penalty kick. He said, I wanted to shoot the ball hard and high in the goal, but the ball didn't go high enough. He said, I can't describe how I feel with work but it's been a terrible night Um, and strange scenes as well afterwards because he was actually I know he was consoled by Drogba and UEFA president Michel Platini so it was a 4-3 shootout they they lost that obviously Um, the game had finished 1-1 draw after extra time then they lost it on a penalty shootout but it was Platini and Drogba just um, there you know wiping away the tears and, and, and helping him with his head in his hands just wondering what the hell has just happened here and he'll unfortunately be remembered for that in his career. Mandy, you've picked out a Champions League final, haven't you? I have. Back in 2008, I'm sure when I say that, Hayley will know exactly what I'm talking about here. The Champions League final between Manchester United and Chelsea in Moscow. In fact, Hayley and I were both lucky enough to be working on that game and unlucky enough to be in Manchester and not Moscow. I think we really drew the short straw there, didn't we, Hayley? No, I was quite quite happy we ended up in uh, Manchester because we we had a great night out after that. We had great fun. It was good to be on the streets of Manchester. Yeah, we'd have loved to have been there in the Luzhniki, wouldn't we? But um, <laughs> it absolutely chucked it down. Do you remember? Everyone got absolutely soaked and they flew home on that plane. They were all like wet through and cold and shivering and they had a cold for about two weeks afterwards. You got soaked as well, but I think it was fans throwing beer outside Old Trafford that you got soaked in. I do remember. I was, and I'm, I was hoping it was beer, but um, still not quite sure. Oh, that, that, no, Shall that I take it back to the game? The yes. yes. Well, yes. 1-1 after extra time. Game goes to penalties. John Terry, Chelsea legend, going up to take his. I can even remember him almost sort of pushing his captain's armband up as he walked to 
towards the penalty spot. He would, of course, have been the man to pick up the trophy. Instead, he slipped in the run-up, hit the post, had to be consoled by Avram Grant as he broke down in tears. And just to link this back to Aguero's penalty... I heard an interview with John Terry, I think it was last year, and he said that in the build-up, all the Chelsea players in the couple of weeks before the final had been practising penalties, as you do, and he'd been quite confident, and he had been dinking them through the middle like the Penenka. Now, fair enough for Aguero to try that, but a centre-back, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the most infamous moments, isn't it, now in, in European football history? Well, Terry, of course, slipped. And when we're talking slippage, there is another famous instance and it links back to Chelsea as well. So it would be remiss of me not to mention this. Steven Gerrard slip in 2014, a little over seven years ago. Three games left uh, till the end of the Premier League season. Liverpool facing title rivals Chelsea. Uh, Liverpool had gone on this amazing winning streak, 11-game winning streak, I think. There were five points ahead of Chelsea, three points ahead of Manchester City, uh, who had a game in hand. So Liverpool knew that a draw would be good enough for this one to knock Chelsea uh, out of the running for the league title. But infamously, in first half injury time, Gerrard miscontrolled a pass by Sacco and slipped trying to rectify the mistake on. Uh, He went though, but of course, Denver Barr latched onto the ball, running through unopposed, opened the scoring for Chelsea. Liverpool conceded another one in injury time in the second half. Willian with that one for the game to end at 2-0. And perhaps... To really rub salt into uh, the wound, well, a couple of things really. Um, What was referenced at the time was this was kind of an extra horror because Liverpool had won 3-2 against Manchester City just two weeks before that Chelsea game and that win was putting them in control of the title. Uh, There's this clip that you can still find now. I had to check it was how I remembered it, but it's basically Gerrard gathering the players in for an emotional huddle at the end of that City game and screaming, we do not want to let this slip. And... uh, (laughs) Famous last words. Of course, Liverpool didn't win the title that season. We had Chris Bull, didn't we? And uh, City took it. So, yeah, tales of woe and slippage there. Hayley, what else have you got? I actually just want to mention a player who we never really talk about negatively ever because it's Lionel Messi. But because I'm a Ronaldo over Messi camp mm-hmm. are you are you as well mandy are you a ronaldo or yep. messi in that argument yep okay well, of course Absolutely. you both are of course you both are <laughs> <laughs> um he missed he, he he misses key penalties he's not a great penalty taker and ronaldo i will say just to in case anyone's shouting at me calling us a pair of idiots ronaldo has missed a couple of um, key penalties as well i'm going to go through their um conversion rate in just a moment but yeah what about messi we talked about moscow didn't we in the champions league final what about in moscow in the world cup argentina held to a draw by iceland he missed that guilt-edged opportunity for victory when he missed a penalty. Um, so there you go. He actually um, fares a lot worse than Cristiano Ronaldo when it comes to taking penalties. Uh, Ronaldo's taken 57, he scored 48. Messi's taken 42, scored 33. So his conversion rate, whilst it is still quite high, 78%, Ronaldo's is 84%. Just want to throw that little fact mm. out there. But yeah, I think Messi misses in big games. Yeah, 
he is known for that, particularly, well, I want to say particularly on the international scene as well. Didn't they miss out on the Copper America as well? There, there was a penalty shootout to Chile years and years ago. But but he was, but he was. I think I remember that 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 story more because he was just absolutely broken. And of course, he's, you know, had this difficult relationship with his national side. But yeah, really, really, really tough. Poor old Messi. Um, Mandy Henry, uh, who else have you got on your list for famous humiliating moments? Zinedine Zidane, the 2006 no, World Cup final, of course. Yeah, France against Italy. Uh, Zidane, the inspirational leader, wasn't he on the field? And in a moment of madness, he headbutts Marco Materazzi and was sent off. France lost the plot, went on to lose the final, and Italy won the World Cup for the fourth time. But think about this, though. I was looking back at this this morning. Zidane had two minutes and 10 seconds left of his career as a footballer, and that's how this wonderful career ended. And I think he actually scored a Panenka and a poor one in that game, too. So uh, keeping keeping the theme going, but that headbutt moment was made into a sculpture and displayed at the Pompidou Centre in Paris. That's not something um, you want to wow. be reminded of. Known as Coupe de Tête, I think in uh, in French. I don't know why I know that in French, but there we go. Uh, I could be completely <laughs> wrong on that one, but yeah, poor old Zizi. Well, no, not really. Um, he oh, he ended up with a he ended up didn't he Kate with a Jamal à la tête. Jumel à la bière, plus, plus jumel à la tête. Uh, absolutely. Okay, well, let's finish up on that headbutting. It has, it has all been physical stuff, hasn't it? It slips, slips on the bum, slips on the pitch, headbutts. Uh, we're going to move now to topic three and the final countdown. All right, well, you don't need us to remind you. It's finals season. We've got the FA Cup final, playoff semi-finals, men's and women's Champions League finals. Of course, if you're listening to this in a few weeks' time, you'll know exactly what happens. But this has got us thinking about famous uh, final football-related moments. So they could be ladies' uh, finals of your own in your own career uh, or jobs that you've been on, or they could be famous finals that you've been to. So let's delve into the depths of our imagination and uh, pull out some interesting points. Um, Hayley, let's go to you. Okay, I'm going to go to something that popped up on my Facebook today. Um, Yeah, eight years ago on this day, stood in Manchester, in the very centre of Manchester, watching Manchester United celebrate being champions. So yeah, the final celebration of Manchester United with Sir Alex Ferguson still at the helm, of course. What a season 2013 ended up being. I was lucky enough to be stood. I was working for Sky by this point and obviously having recently worked for Manchester United Television was allowed to go and and, and cover this story as a presenter from the middle of the square, trying to present whilst this rave, I can only describe it, in the background was taking place. I couldn't hear myself think. I couldn't hear myself speak. I couldn't hear a producer, director, nothing. I just talked and talked and talked until I couldn't talk anymore and then just kept pausing and hoping that somebody else in the studio was picking up and taking over. Um, But I loved the celebrations in Manchester, particularly when you knew as well this victory parade was going to be a really special one. We didn't know... um, Well, for a long time, we didn't know how long Sir Alex Ferguson was going to stick around for. I think now I treasure it even more because, you know, United, well, they didn't really do too much after that, did they, Mandy? As we well know, we were there in the glory years. There's another night that I remember. I have now, I have discussed this on the show before, probably a couple of times as well, but never with Mandy on it too, because Mandy was 
my partner in crime on this evening, where do you remember how absolutely shattered we were at the end of the night or the early hours of the morning, Mandy, in Rome, having worked on the final all day, both <laughs> reporting and presenting in sort of different capacities. One of us running around during the morning, but in the afternoon, we were shattered. We stayed in this quirky little apartment that I don't remember much about because we were hardly there. <laughs> And I apart, remember it well. Yeah, apart from rushing back to the apartment after doing both of us uh, mixed zone Champions League um, uh, questions when, of course, United lost disastrously to Barcelona. And we just thought, well, that was it. We're going to have a miserable night, go home to bed, maybe get a pizza if we're lucky from <laughs> a little takeaway place on the way back to our apartment. But no, we ran into the apartment. There was a quick turn. I don't think we even showered. It was like quickly throw some clothes on, a bit more makeup. A scout on, shower. A scout <laughs> shower, yep. A bit more makeup on top of the makeup that we already had had on since probably about six, seven in the morning and then went out to party the night away. And we were definitely the last one standing, weren't we, I Mandy? I love that. I don't actually remember if we got to bed. And I, I think that I we had to almost go back to the apartment, pack up and get to the airport uh -huh. and try and pretend with the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson around, oh yes, we've, we've just had a quiet oh, yes. night. <laughs> yes, a, solid, a solid nine hours here, Sir Alex. <laughs> I actually have a story, Hayley, from your, uh, your Facebook memory as well. I was actually opposite you in the, the uh, near the town hall in Manchester yeah. that day um, for Manchester United TV. And I had Dennis Irwin alongside me. And oh. once everything had sort of stopped on the stage, we decided, uh, I said, Dennis, how are you getting home? I had gone into Manchester on the tram. He said, oh, I'll get the tram with you. And I thought, thousands and thousands of United <laughs> fans on a tram. We managed to sit just behind the driver in like the kind of front seat of the carriage in, in the, the tram. Um, and no one spotted him until he stood up to go and, you know, get off for his stop. And, uh, and then the whole tram was singing Dennis Irwin songs. Oh. It was absolutely hilarious. It's like, how have we managed to keep him quiet and That's, keep him wow. safe? That's an amazing <laughs> bit of, yes, undercover work there by Dennis Irwin. <laughs> um, um, mine are kind of a little bit, well, one of them's not off piece. Let's let's go with that one first. Um, and it was being at a famous quarterfinal, if I can stretch the rules a little bit like this. Euro 2012, we're in Kiev, England versus Italy. Italy were, were basically much better for most of the game, but England, to their credit, had held on. Uh, it finished nil-nil um, after extra time. It went to penalties. And I was sat in the Olympic Stadium in Kiev with my friend Emma. And we happened to be sat, I wasn't covering this game, I was there as a football fan and we happened to have access to the kind of friends and family bit of the stand. But of course that completely eludes you when you're getting involved in a game and you're shouting at England and you're willing them uh, to get the better of Italy. You know, really important point in this tournament, of course, you're shouting at the England players to get the better of them. Um, England captain Stephen Gerrard, Wayne Rooney, they were both good from the spot, all good. Um, but Ashley Young wasn't so lucky. He struck the bar and, of course, Ashley Cole's effort was saved by the keeper, Jean-Luigi Buffon, as well. So England's fate was sealed. But when Ashley Young missed, I stood up and went, that's so annoying, he couldn't hit anything right. And my friend said to me, Kate, his family are about three rows behind you. So in an, an ultimate <laughs> oh, no. moment of unprofessionalism, I just sat down and buried my head in my hands, 
you know, barely (laughs) able to see what had happened to Ashley Cole because I was red with humiliation, red with the fact that we'd got this special access and I'd absolutely laid into Ashley Young. So Ashley Young's family, I'm giving you now a posthumous sorry uh, for that outburst from me. It was all about the form of the team, I promise. Uh, Who else has got anything else? Um, I make it a bit Manchester United centric uh, today, but the, the last That's interview I had with me. Edwin <laughs> Edwin <laughs> Van der Sar, I sat down to do the last interview with him b- before he left Manchester United. It was one of my favourite moments. Actually, he was he, he's a lovely guy, and I asked him, uh, "So, Edwin, you know what are you going to miss most about United?" And and he stopped, looked at me, and said, "You." <laughs> So we, we had to do the question about five times and couldn't get through it for laughing. He kept trying to tell me that he was serious, but I think he was just joking, unfortunately. But, oh, that's um, nice. Another one from my childhood, which you might laugh at. My mum, dad and I went to Cyprus when I was about 12 and we stayed in this amazing hotel that had lots of activities for kids. And I got to the final of a swimming competition. Oh, amazing. In the oh. final, I came second, but there were only two of us. And I still got a trophy. (laughs) I think it's about the only thing I've ever won, but it made me feel good at the time. (laughs) Good job, Lindsay Hooper's not on this podcast, otherwise she'll be recounting all of her sporting victories for the next 10 minutes. (laughs) Um, The moment when we decided we'd finally had enough of the WAGs. Now, uh, when the WAGs became a thing uh, at the 2006 Germany World Cup, they were hanging out, of course, in Baden-Baden in Germany. And um, and I, they basically, became huge if anyone can remember back to this time now you know 14 15 years ago um I had been um doing some bits for Talksport TV before that tournament and it had sort of sadly come to an end and so I pitched the idea of doing a sports and showbiz section to Hawksby and Jacobs uh, who were who are who are still on uh, every day one until four and um they basically went with it. And for the next five years, the sports and showbiz section, and I would, would do it from airports, I'd do it if I was traveling, we'd, we'd basically cover everything connected to the WAGs because there was that much, you know, it was it was Alex Gerrard, it was Alex Curran becoming Alex Gerrard, it was, it was Colleen's column in Closer magazine, it was Victoria Beckham and her uh, pop slash fashion career. There was all sorts going on with the WAGs then, fake tan, fake nails, fake hair. And we got to the point in 2011, 2012, when we decided that we'd all had enough of the wags and we were going to retire that wag section on talk sport. Little did we know oh. that Wagatha Christie was going to kick off. But oh, there you go. Yeah, yes. I did five years good service to the wags, including lots of impressions as well. You'll never get me doing Colleen again. Uh, there we go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's special. Well, I'm going to uh, blow the final whistle on our finals chat and let's head into any other business. All right, so that point in the show where things that may have gone under the radar, maybe news lines, uh, anything at all that you think might be worth a mention. Um, I'm going to bowl in with mine, first of all, because I'm still absolutely poleaxed by the brilliance or not of this particular celebration video from <laughs> Manchester City. It was released in conjunction with Etisalat, the club's official com- telecommunications partner in the UAE. And I think it's safe to say they don't have a clue. Have a listen.
So just to paint the picture here, you've got celebs in packed pubs, jolly hockey sticks, everyone's looking like it's the middle of winter and they're having a spiffing time. Uh, no naked chest, no drunken fan urinating behind the back of the pub because he can't be bothered to go in after his cigarette outside. None of that. Instead, it looks like a jolly jape of a celebration. And it's weird because you can see fans there. So it just it doesn't fit with the season at all. The worst bit, Hayley, you've had your fair share of mum and baby groups these past years, is the music. Why Why would you do it to a chant that's never been a football chant and instead is a child song? Yeah. If you're you happy don't... and you know it, you clap, know it your clap your hands. hands. If you're celebrating <laughs> yeah. now, clap your hands. If you're happy that we did it and you really want to show it. Da, 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 Manchester City, da, da, da. I mean, I mean, What? what? <laughs> It just, I've yep. never seen anything like it in my life. What a yep. bad idea. Uh, one fan commented on Twitter, this is worse than the Super League. <laughs> <laughs> How could you get football so wrong? Uh, anyway, glad that's provided some enjoyment. Uh, listen, I think we could do better with our with our iPhones or our camera phones in the back of our gardens, probably pretending to be City fans. But anyway, uh, who's got one next? Well, I'm going to keep it on the music theme, but hopefully bring it up a a peg or two. This week marked 40 years since the death of Bob Marley. Now, I'm a huge fan, and there's a wonderful video online about how Ajax adopted his song Three Little Birds as their anthem. I think a lot of people will know that that's Mm. their anthem, but might not know the backstory. So this started more than 10 years ago, and it involves Cardiff City. Um, They played Ajax in a pre-season friendly at Ninian Park in 2008, and after the game, they kept the away fans in for a while. So uh, the stadium announcer kept them entertained with music and and started that song Uh, and they were all singing and dancing and since that day they've just kept it going it's been sung at every Ajax home game since I remember when Ajax played at Old Trafford in the Europa League back in 2012 the fans were singing it just sounds amazing you have to go online and have a look at some of the videos but this continued and eventually Bob Marley's son heard about this decided he was an Ajax fan for life went to a game and performed it on the pitch Uh, just a lovely story and you, you can't beat that feeling can you when all the fans are in the stadium singing the same song you get goosebumps so I've watched a few videos of them singing it this week and realised just how amazing it will be to to have all the fans back and a nice story to mark the anniversary of of Bob Marley's death but the return of fans as well Beautiful Beat that Hayley McQueen Oh god that's a good one Well I've actually got a story from the same club. Ajax have been busy. They've been busy winning trophies and just, yeah, a a club busy. They reached out to their supporters as well after celebrating the Eredivisie title. This all just links in so nicely because Mandy was talking about her last ever interview with Edwin van der Sar when he retired. He is, of course, at the club and I think the reason why they won the title, absolutely. But what a lovely gesture. Um, So they were crowned champions this month. They've decided and they, they've done it and it's absolutely brilliant. They've melted down the trophy and made them into 42,000 mini silver stars to gift to their supporters. Oh, I love so that. each oh. season ticket holder is going to receive a little silver star, a piece of Ajax. And it's not, it's not just some random little bits of silver that they're sending out in stuff. They genuinely, and there's, there's a video of how it's being done as well. So it's this massive, big kind of plaque cup trophy. Um, they, they, they've won it on three occasions before, but they've, they've melted it down and made these tiny little stars. And it's lovely. There's a, there's a little video as well on, on AFC Ajax on Twitter with piece of victory, piece of history, piece of Ajax, literally for you. And it's a message to the fans. So what an absolutely Gosh. lovely touch. Um, yeah, That's so totally shown up some Premier League clubs, yeah. hasn't it? Um, Hayley, another one from you if you've got one. 
Okay, I've got two stories which are linked to Manchester United. Or this one, I, I, I mean, this former this, this player. Is, we we, we, we might as well call this a fan podcast for Manchester United, United know, right? ladies. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But I knew they'd be tuning in in their droves because Mandy's yes. on. So I've got yes, to give them okay, what they want. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So do you remember, audience. do you remember Alexander Butner? Mandy? Yes. Butner, he, yes. Butner, so he signed for... Done him on Moscow afterwards. He went on loan to Anderlecht. He's now at New England Revolution. Well, he's been kind of ribbed on social media because he has had a mural painted in his house on the wall of him with Alex Ferguson's arm around him with the Premier League trophy. So there's a photograph of him holding <laughs> the trophy, okay, with Sir Alex Ferguson. And he's had this painted huge as a mural on the wall. And he signed it in the corner and the artist signed it. And he's obviously proudly posted it. And it's a nice sentiment, but it absolutely does not look like old, Sir Alex it? Ferguson. Oh, it doesn't? Okay. And it, no, and it doesn't really <laughs> look like Butner either. It's quite funny. Um, another... He was big for his tattoos. So maybe it just as well he didn't get it tattooed on him yeah, if it doesn't maybe, really look like maybe. either of them. <laughs> yeah. Now, could we already know that this player is going to be a former Manchester United player? Well, this was sent by our producer Flo with the yes. eagle eye. Wow. Um, Chelsea have put Lauren James on their shirt print options for the new season. So when yes. you go to Lauren buy, James so of Manchester United, of, by the way, of to Manchester. Fill you in. Yes. Yes. So. Yes. You go down and there's like Jiso Young, there's Petra Cech, and just in there, just in the middle, just Lauren James. And they've not, they've That's not, a major they've not, they've not announced the signing. And nothing has been announced. Wow. Sister of Reese James, of course. Yeah. Uh, also, mm. news from the women's football world. Uh, Casey Stoney has stepped down as boss mm, of yes. Manchester United, of course. That's a bit of a surprise. That's caused a few shockwaves, hasn't it? So, yeah, much debate about where she's going to go. Um, when I heard rumours about the NWSL, the uh, American top flight women's league, I thought, no, she's got lots of business to do over here. I thought I thought it might be Arsenal, whose manager, Joe Montemuro, uh, has step down to spend more time with his family but apparently according to sources and there's a, a piece up from Katie Wyatt Meg Linehan from The Athletic as well about how she's in the final stages of a move to San Diego um, for their expansion team so yes very exciting movement going on in the women's football world alright well let's call time on this show just there thanks very much for letting us know how you're finding us what you're liking it's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta and don't forget OffsideRulePodcast.com for our brilliant website there are preview pieces up there actually ahead of the Women's Champions League final quick plug for that takes place this Sunday 16th of May in Gothenburg Chelsea against Barcelona it will be a very good game indeed uh, absolutely could be the first time that Chelsea take home the trophy and that would only be the second time ever that an English side has won the Women's Champions League so uh, lots to look out for there uh, thank you to both of you Mandy thanks for joining us I've thoroughly enjoyed this albeit slightly Manchester United biased uh, show uh, thank you if for I ever get us. invited back I'll, uh, I'll sort that out I'll, I'll come You're up banned. with something different don't worry <laughs> um, where where are we going to find you this weekend Mandy I'm actually working on a couple of features for, for Premier League TV, which I need to squeeze in before the end of the season. So I'm going to be at home working on them and also cheering on Leicester in the FA Cup final on Saturday. Oh, Hayley, what about you? I, I Well, I'm doing a big mega weekend stint on Sky Sports News Saturday afternoon because there's no soccer Saturday and Sunday as well. So I will get the Women's Champions League final, which I'm quite excited about. Very good. Lucky you. I'll be covering it as well on Times Radio, I'm sure. Um, listen, thank you very much, Mandy. Thank you, Hayley. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Offside Rule. 
part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network.